Uh, I'm hoping that on day 46, we can look back and say, this has been the year of local control, of empowering teachers, empowering our boards to decide what is best in your specific context. Welcome to Charter School Conversations. This is the place to learn all about Utah's public charter schools, leaders, and extraordinary students and programs. We hope you get to know a little more about the great place that we call Charterland. My name is Gina James. I'm with the Utah Association of Public Charter Schools, and I hope you enjoy today's conversation. I'm here with Royce Van Tassel to discuss the upcoming legislative session. Now, I just have to say, most people feel like the most wonderful time of the year is Christmas. (laughs) However, for the past few weeks, um, several weeks, as you've been preparing, I've noticed that this is your most wonderful time of the year. Am I correct in saying that? (laughs) I really love the time I spend on on Capitol Hill. Um, They're long days. They're busy days. But being an advocate for charter schools is just a wonderful thing, and helping our policymakers understand uh, the great things that are happening in Utah charter schools and helping make sure that we get to keep doing that and expand doing that, it's a dream come true. So let's get right into it. There is a lot going on. Well, I think the first place to start um, is with budget considerations. As uh, many of you may know, the governor's budget anticipated about a 5% increase in the value of the WPU. Probably 3.5% of that is guaranteed. It's statutory. It'll be adopted in the first week of the session. Um, The last uh, 1.2 or 1.5% will be a, a, a discretionary question. We'll work on that throughout the session as we find out how much revenue is actually available, what the projections say. But honestly, my guess is that the governor's uh, recommendations are pretty close to where we're going to end up. We don't have nearly as much ongoing money, that meaning money that you can count on to come back uh, year in and year out as we have in years past. And so I think 5% is probably where we're going to end up. Frankly, in historic terms, that's pretty healthy growth, something that we should be really happy about. Another piece that charter schools love to know about is uh, the local replacement fund. And uh, that's baked in. We'll see $192 per student increase over what we got in the LRF last year. That translates into a lot of cool, flexible money that charter schools can use going forward. So, you know, really from the get-go, we're in a good spot in many ways, a very enviable spot. I know some states, California, I think, has a budget deficit that is twice as big as Utah's overall budget. They have to find a way to cover, I think I saw a $68 billion deficit. Uh, Utah's going to continue to invest smartly And so public ed is going to reap those kinds of benefits. That's great. And with the WPU and the LRF, those are unrestricted. So those dollars schools can use creatively however they want to. Exactly. If that means a new para or a new teacher or increases or you want to buy new curriculum, um, all of that is flexible dollars to use as your school needs. 
So what are some of the specific bills that we're looking at? Um, Let's start with the ones that maybe we are a little concerned about or ones that we're particularly watching. Sure. So we've had a number of conversations with charter schools over the last year um, and with our policymakers around two big issues. One is obviously uh, sensitive materials and the other is school safety. The interim committee, uh, as well as the school districts and charter schools and our policymakers spent a lot of time thinking about how can we get um, improvements in what uh, our sensitive materials policy is going to look like. I think part of what uh, was approved by the interim committee uh, in November reflects uh, an election strategy. Uh, the House members are running for re-election, and it's a winning strategy t- in Utah to say, hey, I'm against porn. Now, the question really comes down to what constitutes porn And uh, then there's this delicate question of local control. Um, I really feel bad for my uh, friends in the school districts who make uh, one decision for 50, 100 different schools, Um, whereas we in Charterland, you know what you're buying when you go and say, hey, I want to go to this particular school. And so the clash of values that uh, the school districts sometimes face and that is in many ways at the base of this bill isn't as common. That being said, I expect that uh, I think it's HB 29 by Representative Ken Ivory um, will move pretty quickly through the House. Um, uh, The big um, piece to that bill says that if uh, three school districts or two school districts and five charter schools decide that um, a learning material, it could be a book, it could be a video, something that you're going to use in your school uh, is objectively pornographic. And that has a specific definition, but we probably don't need to go into that here. Uh, but if it, they decide that that's objectively pornographic, then it would be banned from all uh, public schools in Utah statewide. And that's where I say this question of local control uh, is really important. Obviously, that's going to be a minority position with only three school districts or two school districts and five charter schools. And uh, nobody wants porn in Utah schools. So uh, entirely appropriate to be having this conversation. Um, We're intimately involved in that. It's not clear uh, what will pass both the House and the Senate. And we're going to continue to work with our uh, elected representatives to make sure uh, that we get the best possible policy uh, coming out of that. But uh, I'll say buckle up and stay tuned. (laughs) Are there any other curriculum decisions that the legislature is looking at? You know, I honestly think that, you know, we've had some controversial bills the last several years around education. I don't think that we're going to see too much in the way of controversy this year. It's very important uh, as far as House and Senate leadership are concerned that uh, a given amendment um, pass this fall. And in order for that amendment to pass, which would say that the legislature can spend all of the revenues that the state receives uh, as they see fit. Um, and it would get rid of the current earmark, which was adopted a couple of years ago as a part of Amendment G. And it's very important for the legislature to be able to pass that. 
They want to not upset a whole lot of apple carts in order to pass that. And so I think in order to make sure that the public ed coalition is comfortable with passing that this fall, we're not going to see much in the way of real controversial bills um, on the education front this year. As I said, I think that uh, the school safety bill and sensitive materials bill is going to it, it, that they're going to be an important part of the conversation. And you never know, things always change between now and the end of day 45. But as I look at sort of the constellation going on out there, I don't expect a whole lot of real controversial stuff on the education front. There will inevitably be stuff. But there's a big difference between something that everybody's going to get upset about and tweaks here and tweaks there and improvements there and improvements here. They're going to work on pass or considering 1,500, 1,700 bills. They'll probably pass a total of 500, maybe 600. I think last year the number was 575. And 45 days is a compressed time frame. It's really good. Uh, the longer they're in session, the greater the potential for something stupid happening. So what are some other bills that we're watching? Um, we should talk about Representative Wilcox's bill, school safety. Certainly everyone is aware of the challenges that schools around the country have had with people that are armed, breaking into schools, and doing some real harm. The uh, legislature last year created a task force that brought forth a lot of uh, recommendations. Those are all in a bill that uh, Representative Wilcox is running this year, HB 84. Um, it's not clear whether there is enough money to do everything that he would like. In theory, uh, he would like to have somebody that doesn't have other responsibilities in every school uh, sort of acting as an armed guard uh, at that school. As I say, I don't know that it would be possible to find volunteers, which is one of the possibilities that the bill lays out. And finding that person that can do that costs a chunk of change. It's probably, you know, after you put in benefits, salary, probably talking somewhere in the neighborhood of $150,000. And you're doing that at the cost of uh, 1,100 or so schools statewide. So that's a big chunk of change. Again, I don't know where that's going to end up. Again, I think that uh, the House is likely to say, yep, we like this, whether or not it passes both bodies or what passes both bodies, I don't know. We all want our kids to be safe. We all want to make sure that bad people don't hurt our kids. That, that's important to all of us. And the question is, how do we balance all of that need with all of the other needs that our kids have? So um, we're going to work through that with Representative Wilcox. He's a wonderful friend, uh, loves charter schools. He's had his kids at charter schools. Uh, again, I don't know where that's going to end up, but I think we need to remember that these elected officials are our neighbors. They have the same worries that we do. And they're trying to uh, make sure that we have all of the right tools to educate our kids and be successful. Are there any others that you want to go over? There are a couple of bills that haven't been made public yet, but uh, will be shortly. There's um, one by Senator Fillmore. It is a teacher empowerment bill. And it's designed really to say, hey, let's um, make sure that 
if you at uh, let's say you're in uh, at, at North Star and you're having trouble finding um, a math teacher, but maybe over at Beehive, the challenge is finding someone to run the band, that you get to decide what the high needs area is and take some of the money that the legislature has set aside for high needs uh, teachers. And instead of saying, oh, it's only the math teachers or it's only the science teachers or it's only the English teachers, let's make sure that we have some local control and let you decide uh, what that looks like so that you can give uh, annual bonuses to the teachers that are, you need to go out and find um, the right people in your classroom. I know uh, there was a school district when this was talked about a few years ago that said, you know, the real problem we're finding is we can't find somebody to run our band. I, the superintendent, was running the band, which probably isn't ideal. Not that he wasn't capable, but you've got to find people, uh, be able to divide and conquer. And again, the needs in Logan look different than the needs in uh, Draper or in Provo and at each school. And, and Senator Fillmore wants to empower teachers and empower our schools to, to meet those needs where they are. So I'm excited about uh, that teacher empowerment bill yeah. So it sounds like there's some money that would be attached to that, well, it, or is it something that's already set aside? It's money that's already um, being used, and you as an LEA, as a charter school, as a school district, get to decide, hey, I want to use that, let's say it's $4,100, uh, and I want to use that for math teachers, but someone else wants to use it for their sign language interpreter. That's your choice. Great. So uh, excited about that. You'll also see some tweaks and I think improvements to the charter school law. They're mostly changes around the edges, um, not real substantive changes, um, but there are uh, some pieces here and pieces there that everyone will say, wow, I, um, that's been a little bit of a, a niggling problem. It hasn't been huge, but it's been a little bit of a niggling problem and, and glad to see that going away. There was a lot of talk over the last year or two around the school uh, climate survey, and some schools were very unhappy uh, that that um, was moving forward. There's been some disagreement between uh, the legislature and state board about what some existing language in the code means around surveys that go to students. Uh, Representative Lisenby has a bill that says if you're administering a non-academic survey, you have to get annual parental consent to administer that, uh, which I think, again, it's, it empowers uh, your local schools to make those decisions about what's most important. And it empowers parents that, you know, if you decide that this isn't a topic you want your uh, students um, to be uh, asked about, it's entirely up to you. So uh, I'm hoping that on day 46, we can look back and say, this has been the year of local control, of empowering teachers, empowering our boards to decide what is best in your specific context. Because we have different teachers, we have different paras, we have different directors, different facilities, and there are inevitably some things that are the same, but there's a lot of differences. And uh, that's why we have charter schools, that's why we have school districts, it's going to look a little bit different, and that's okay. All right, so we jump into things January 16th. January 16th, yes. Um, first day is mostly ceremonial. 
You'll hear speeches from the Senate, from or from the Senate President, from the Speaker of the House, sort of saying, "Here's where we see things going." There's a State of the Judiciary speech that's usually given that afternoon. Uh, day one is relatively calm. But the very next day, they're going to be jumping into appropriations meetings and saying, what should the public ed budget look like? They'll do that for the next three and a half or so weeks. They'll go through uh, on a line-by-line basis what goes into that public education budget, come out with recommendations three and a half weeks later, and then final budgets will be hammered out over the last two or so weeks, and it's a party. 45-day-long party, right? It is a 45-day party. But it's only 8 to 5, so it's not like it takes up all the time. Uh, 8 to 5 is awfully (laughs) generous. I will typically leave the house at, I don't know, 5.30, and some days I don't get home until uh, 10 o'clock at night, sometimes later. I mean, it's... It's a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work, which we appreciate because it works for all of us. We should probably also talk a little bit about Charter Day on the Hill. Yes. Um, that's going to be coming up on uh, January 23rd. Really excited about that. It will be the second Tuesday um, of the session. I actually just talked to the staff um, at the Appropriations Committee. Uh, they're not going to be talking anything about anything regarding charter schools that morning. So we're going to be able to provide a bunch of tours to the students that are coming up. I think Auditor Dougal, if you're lucky, he's going to be giving um, some of the tours and it'll be a lot of fun. You get to see committee hearings in process. There's a lot of uh, really interesting history at the at the Capitol complex. We have student performances planned and we also have a guest speaker coming. So we have um, some leadership from the State Charter School Board who will be attending with us and we'll hear from Lieutenant Governor Deirdre Henderson. So we're really looking forward to having schools come up and the public is always welcome at the Capitol. If you want to find out more about charter schools, we're notifying our legislators to, <laughs> to let them know there's going to be some schools there. Um, there's going to be some school children and come down and meet us. And so. I heard, I've heard from a couple of people that um, this sounds strange and maybe a little bit weird. But uh, our pens are sort of a hit among legislators and staff. (laughs) We will have extra pens. So if anyone is interested in having a really special Utah Association of uh, Public Charter Schools pen, please come down, come see us, and we'll get you one. Awesome. That'll be a party. Really looking forward to seeing all of our charter school friends up there. And 11 to 2 on January 23rd, that Tuesday, second Tuesday of the session for Charter Day on the Hill. Thanks, Royce. It's probably worth noting. We're going to update this um, in in some fashion a couple other times as the session goes on. So again, pay attention. We'll have a lot of fun. Great. And check the show notes for links to some of the bills we discussed and a link to the governor's budget as well. Thanks for listening. Please check out the show notes for links to the school, some of the information we discussed, and the Utah Association of Public Charter Schools website. We are a nonprofit organization established to promote excellence in Utah's public charter schools through advocacy, training, and technical support. Please subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you think by visiting utahcharters.org.